everyone, I have some exciting news. We are back with the fifth episode of It's a Trap. It has been far, 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 far too long. And we're sorry about that. And it hurts us deeply that we have been so negligent in recording the next episode. But boy, we've got a doozy for you this time. Dave, who are we talking about this week? Uh, We're talking about the Joker. Specifically, Heath Ledger's character in The Dark Knight. I'm I'm so excited about this. This is this is a great one to come back to. We're we're saving another particular character for a the correct time. Mm-hmm. But this is a great character to come back from a hiatus from. I am very excited. Let's let's jump right in, Dave. Sure. So, what movie? Is Heath Ledger's Joker in, first of all. For the those dark, The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, yes. The second, second of the modern Batman trilogy, if you will. Yes. Batman begins. The Dark Knight, and then The Dark Knight Rises. The Dark Knight Rises. Yes. They were all so good. Yep. I think they got... Number two is definitely better than number one. Yeah, I think number two is the best of the three. Yeah, and then... The third one is it's really close yeah. to number two. And I think the only reason it's not as good is because Tom Hardy was incredible as Bane. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, that's a good villain. He's a good, yeah. that's a good villain too. I'm Bane. <laughs> um, I'm probably gonna do some really terrible impressions. Just, you know, heads up. But he, he Ledger is it's just so good. This character is. It's like I felt bad for Jared Leto who had to play the Joker in, in Suicide Squad. Like, sorry, mm. dude. It doesn't matter how good you do, you have to follow this. And considering, while this was not Heath Ledger's last role, it is most certainly his most memorable role. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, uh, let's just jump into um, just some of your notes on um, the character, what you thought was uh, special about him, what stuck out to you. That sort of stuff. Yeah, and so I a couple of different things here. Not a comic book per person. Um, don't not uh, I, I I don't know much about the the bigger picture, the broader sort of storylines with all these things. I did have this moment watching this movie kind of going and I don't even know if this is really a thing but I I'm under the impression that there's like a Batman versus Superman sort of who who are you do you like Batman do you like Superman and was very much in this movie thinking yeah uh, I was probably a Superman fan when I was 10 now that I'm older and I've lived a little I'm definitely more of a Batman fan and kind of even have talked about this in it's a trap before of just the the darker side of human nature and appreciate that aspect of Batman and Bruce Wayne ultimately. And then um, even the villains that he sort of has, uh, particularly in this trilogy um, of they're just being, it's not just about uh, black and white, good and evil. There's multiple layers to this. And uh <laughs> even the bad guys have their redeeming qualities and things that they're trying to do. And then even Batman sort of has his dark, his human side. Uh, the second piece is 
yes, I was around and did watch Batman when it was Michael Keaton and uh, people like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito and Jack Nicholson and uh, Jim Carrey and um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Val Kilmer. Yes, they. It was all those those kinds George of George Clooney. And those had like such a such a comic book feel to them. Yeah, they were very unbelievable. And 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 not like unbelievable in the oh they're amazing as in like the that's hard to believe is real. Right. And so uh the first thing about the Joker for me was he keeps in the character in terms of he's got the green hair, he's got the facial makeup, he has the exaggerated smile. But it's believable to me and as i say it's believable to me uh i'm coming from the aspect of uh i do a job in law enforcement and i deal with some of the darker side of uh, our society and as i looked at heath ledger as the joker i was like i could see this person existing and I get that this is an action-adventure movie. The purpose is to kind of escape reality. But I didn't have a hard time, like, kind of embracing the character, so to say. Uh, I was like, this could be a very real person, particularly in a huge, huge city. Uh, so that was kind of the first thing uh, for me about this character was that uh, I don't want to use the term believable, but very much a, this is not a stretch for me. I could see this person actually existing. Yeah, I think the only thing that you have to do to make him believable is take the face paint off. And then you have got a criminal mastermind that is easily working in New York or Atlanta or any of the large metropolises, mm-hmm. Chicago, L.A., yep. no sweat, yep. no sweat. And then the second thing, and if I'm wrong on this, I apologize, but they didn't find it was necessary to explain his look. And in fact, Heath Ledger's character kind of gives multiple different stories about how he actually came to have those scars. And it's kind of this sort of like, uh, what's really the story, what really happened to him. And believe it or not, I have a scar on my forehead that people tend to notice, and I have often done that myself. I've given multiple stories as to what really happened with that. Um, and it's kind of fun to see what people will believe when you tell them that you got shot by a bullet, which would seem ludicrous square, to the fact that square it's square in, in the, the middle the, of my forehead. Yeah. <laughs> but... So, um, yeah, I, I find it interesting. They don't find it necessary to explain his background. They don't, um, I think that's one of my personal pet peeves actually in a movie is when they spend too much time giving a backstory. Mm. Well, if anything, they add to the mystery. Yes. Uh, On top of him giving, I think two, maybe three uh, reasons as to why he has the scars on his face. But when he's, uh, when they're trying to figure out who he is and they've got him in the jail and all of his clothes are custom made. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, no labels, no, no labels. Uh, it's all custom. If I remember correctly, he 
didn't have fingerprints. Yeah, it, it was, I think it was even, I can't remember. I mentioned somewhere in my notes here of just, that was one of the things I liked about this was the fact that you, you don't, oh yeah, there's no name. They don't, they, you don't know who this guy is ever in the movie. Mm-hmm. And even the police can't figure out who he is, which if he's truly genius, psychopath type person that he is, that is, again, that's kind of a very real possibility of this guy has never been on the radar. And then all of a sudden, oh, he's wreaking havoc amongst <laughs> the city. So, yeah. Another thing I did like about him. Uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me was his almost inadvertent comedic timing. Like, he's not... Jack Nicholson's Joker was flamboyant right. and dancing to Prince while he's spray painted and yes. ha ha. Like, kind of like the happy psycho. Mm-hmm. And this guy is obviously very dark and very troubled and um, very intelligent. But even in that, he has moments of like comedy gold. Mm-hmm. And there are two scenes in the movie that I have been told by the internet were completely improvised. I I don't have inside knowledge, but the scene when they're in the jail and the uh, mayor comes back, you know, from the dead or whatever, Mm -hmm. and uh, tells uh, Jim Gordon that he's going to be the commissioner, and then the Joker just stares him down and claps. Apparently that was improvised. That's genius. Maybe not comedic genius, but acting. And then the second one is when he's blowing the hospital up and he hits the trigger and it doesn't explode and he bangs it on his hand until it explodes and he jumps. Like, (laughs) apparently, what I read, that was like it genuinely just had a delay for whatever reason and he just naturally, like, kept. That's and that's and it was hysterical because he's in a he's in a, a nurse's gown with like you know mid calves. It just looks like a complete buffoon, and just did what that person would do in that situation was. <laughs> so, yeah, I just I really um, enjoyed the character as a whole. Like you said, he's believable. He's he's smart. You don't know what he's gonna do next, and. You kind of feel for for Batman's frustration with trying to figure this guy out because he's never met anyone like this before. You know, he's a mystery. He is seemingly um, amoral. You know, at least with in the previous movie with the League of Shadows, there was a moral code and a law that they you know abided by, and this guy just blows all that out of the water and does whatever he wants. He's totally unpredictable to someone on the outside. Um, which gets to one of your uh, favorite lines later on when he's talking in the hospital to Harvey Dent, which we can save for later. But I just think this was one of the first characters in a modern movie that really captivated me Mm -hmm. when the movie came out. Um, Because if I'm correct, The Dark Knight came out while I was in college. It was 2008. Uh, 2008, yeah, 2008, 2009. So yeah, right when I graduated college, started grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember this being like the first, like, uh, movie character. I was just like, I, I really like him, and I know I shouldn't because he's a really awful person, but I just felt like, and I feel like everyone felt that way about this. That's why, sure, yeah, it was it was such a highly 
you know, rated and well-received movie was usually, especially in comic book. And one thing I like about Batman is outside of like Mr. Freeze and like some of his, like they're not superpowers, but they're ridiculous. Joker doesn't seem ridiculous to me. No. He seems, as you said, very real and very believable. And he's not using superpowers. He's just outsmarting and outcrazying the police. Mm-hmm. And that's a believable thing. Yeah. And and I the other thing is is I feel I felt like his character in essence saw purpose behind anarchy. Like this idea of if we just go with the chaos, things will be better than when we put all these rules into place and we have vigilante uh, Batman that are going through the night and doing things. And so, yeah, there was this element of, um, I think he genuinely believed um, that chaos was better. And just even little things that he did to uh, the police officers were things that I just was like, um, specifically when he's in the jail cell alone with the, the 20 year guy and starts making comments to kind of tick him off and draw him into a fight. And initially the guy's like, ah, I'm not going to do it. I know that's what you want me to do. And then he eventually sucks him in and he does it. And I'm like, I can see that happening. I mean, I, I, you know, Absolutely. It's just like, I get it. I mean, he just is so good at manipulating people um, that, again, you feel bad cheering for him, but I I guess I would have to put myself in that camp of, I I found myself liking him. I found myself sort of kind of going, ah, yeah, I want to see him succeed. I want to see him. (laughs) Yeah. And well, and one of the other things that I liked, man, this is so good. Is when he's with the other criminals, the mob, you know, or they don't understand him either. And he stands in such stark contrast to all of them. Yeah. That you, you kind of see him as like, yeah, he's a bad guy, but he, he seems like a good bad guy. You know, he burns that giant pile of money and he's like, it's not about the money. Right. The city deserves a better class of criminal and I'm going to give it to him, <laughs> you know? And then he feeds the guy to his dogs. Like just, <laughs> I mean, just there's a ruthlessness and a, um, I don't want to say humility to him because that's not the right word, but there is a, there is a genuine lack of greed. For him, I really do think like it's about the chaos. Like, let's blow. I I feel like that I saw a thread somewhere that the theory was that he was a war veteran, suffering Ooh. from you know, and he was just trying to blow the whole system up because what he had what he had gone through and thought this is all F, you know screwed up. And I, it's a fan theory. We'll never know. That's and that's the point is we'll never know who he was and and you know why he was doing what he was doing. But the fact that. He felt like the city deserved a better criminal. Mm-hmm. Like that's just who thinks that? <laughs> that's just, it's just nuts. But um, anyways, uh, what about the movie? Let's let's zoom out to the movie real quick. What did we like about the movie or not like about it? And then we can maybe dive back into some of our favorite scenes that included the Joker and and maybe some of our favorite quotes because there are plenty of those in this movie. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm not um, not a big um, 
I should. I don't even want to say that. I I didn't initially want to go see this movie. I was talked into go see this movie, and I remember going and seeing it with, you know, a bunch of other middle aged guys. Uh, kind of after you know the families had gone to bed, and we went you know like a ten o'clock showing type thing, and uh, was so ex- you know the people that I went had seen it and were so excited for me to see it, and I'm like yeah yeah yeah, and so I get there and I'm like okay this is good, <laughs> um, and so the first thing is is uh, it's an action movie. Um, and anybody that enjoys action movies, it starts in the very beginning with good action. Uh, you get an introduction to the, to the Joker at the very beginning. And, um, it's to me, there's just a, there's a good pace to the movie. I will say that it is long and then it's like two and a half hours and sort of towards the end, I was kind of like, okay, let's, there's a few things we could have left out that weren't necessary but there are very few two and a half hour movies that keep my attention the way this one did, because in addition to, um, the action, uh, there's good dialogue. Uh, there is a, a substantial plot line. Um, I think there's even, um, you know, we see, uh, commissioner Gordon become commissioner Gordon through this. Um, so yeah, so it's, um, I feel like it's an action movie that if you're a semi-intelligent person and want to kind of follow, why does this happen? Um, and even some of the twists or the traps that the Joker gets the good guys into, you're kind of like, okay, wow, I didn't totally see that happening. Um, it's engaging, I guess is probably the, is a good way to, to say that. So, uh, definitely a guy's movie from beginning to end. Um, and, um, you don't have to completely check your brain at the door to watch it and overlook some things. Granted, there's always those inconsistency with plot lines or things that, you know, um, and I don't even want to go into them because I think they're fairly minor, but, some of the things I saw brought up on online about, you know, well, this happened and it, it kind of, it's like, no, I I can, I can, uh, particularly from the law enforcement side again, I'm like, no, I can see that happening. Cause like one of their questions was, well, why would the cop be on the inside of the jail cell with the Joker where he could actually talk to them and and suck him in? It's an interrogation room. Yeah. It's an interrogation room. That's what happens. Well, but ultimately he busts the window out. Of the two-way, he breaks the two-way mirror. I think Batman breaks the two-way mirror with the Joker when they're fighting. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, it, you know, that's not uncommon for something like that to happen. And it's not uncommon for you to stand in there where you can see the guy. I mean, that, to me, was, I was like, I, I, I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed that they replaced Kitty Holmes with Maggie Gyllenhaal. thought that was a step in the right direction. Is that because Katie? I I wondered about that. Is it because Katie didn't want to do it, or just I don't know the reasoning. Uh, I'm just glad they did it. I think that Maggie Gyllenhaal is a better fit. Yeah, for that role, I thought she was really good. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Aaron Eckhart, the guy who played Harvey Dent, but I thought he played the role very well. I liked him better than Aaron Brockovich. No, I haven't seen that movie. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's like the only other thing I remember him being in. <laughs> uh, I just, I felt like he pulled off the pompous, 
part of Harvey Dent at the beginning of the movie pretty well. Like that seems easy for him to be that guy. I make my own luck. And flips his dumb double sided coin. And I like I really like the DA that we work with. Like I truly do. Um I've actually been to training with him and traveled. But there is just this there that is like believable. There's that aura that kind of just and I think you have to kind of be that way to want to do that job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he he fits that very well. Uh, I think Morgan Freeman does a great job as Lucius Fox, um, especially towards the end of the movie when he tells Bruce Wayne, "Like I'll help you, but then I'm done. Like I'm out. Yeah, this has gone too far." And then of course there's the big payoff at the end, which yeah. is you know good. Um, yeah, I just I mean even even the middle of the movie when the fake Batman. You know, I'm not wearing hockey pads, that sort of stuff. Uh, and the guy who shows up to Morgan or Lucius Fox and tells him that, oh, you don't tell me you didn't see your little baby running around the rooftops and I'm going to go on TV. And and then he goes, so you think that Bruce Wayne spends his nights running around the rooftops as a vigilante. Good luck. <laughs> he plays it so cool. Uh, and then even the whole Joker saying, kill this guy. I mean, there's just so many little things to get you through the movie to the big climax at the end, which we'll talk about that. Yeah. I just thought top to bottom, it was a highly enjoyable, well done, um, you know, stimulating movie from the action and from, you know, the dialogue and and thinking what's going to happen and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, just really good. So, what didn't you like about the movie? There's surely something you didn't like. Um, yeah, there there were a handful of things that, um, and this is this is kind of a a, a small piece, but it, at the beginning of the movie, the Scarecrow was in it, who was in Bat Batman Begins, mm-hmm. and I'm just sort of like there was just this piece of me that was kind of like it was kind of one of those moments of like okay, we know this is a continuation from the previous movie. I don't get why he's even in it. And like I said. He did get a good line in, though. Which is which is what? When Batman says, I don't need help. And he says, not my diagnosis. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yes, not excuse me. Not my diagnosis. Yeah. Not my diagnosis. So, yeah. So, that was that was good. But, um, anyway, it was a minor deal for me. I just... Like I said, I get I hate it when they feel like they have to bring this continuity because this is a movie that stands alone. You don't have to see Batman Begins to enjoy this movie or to understand this movie. And so maybe that's kind of where I was just sort of like background that's not really uh, needed in that. Um, maybe this is what you were getting at with the whole Harvey Dent thing of uh, the flip in the coin. I get that there's two heads on the coin and that mirrors the two face, but, um, uh, it, it just, it, uh, it was introduced prior to him actually becoming two face. And I, I'm drawing a blank here as we're sitting here as to exactly what the scene was, but I feel like he was, he was making a decision on something. Was it to kill the commissioners? Had he turned into? I I can't remember the timing. No, uh, it's when he's got the 
crazy guy in the back of the ambulance, and he's like, you know, heads this, you know, he's got the gun, and he's not actually going to yes. do it. And then Batman shows up, and yeah, he has a deranged mind. You know, that little stupid speech. That he, Christian Bale's Batman voice got more ridiculous <laughs> as the trilogy went on. Well, I would even say it gets more ridiculous as this movie goes on. Like, it seems like it's more extreme at the end than it is at the beginning. Yeah, there's some stuff you're just like, oh. I'm not oh. a Christian Bale fan either, but he is a good Batman in this. Um, I think he plays up the Playboy piece, too, and the whole not going to make the connection, going to mm. keep Bruce Wayne and Batman as two separate people. But anyway, um, so yeah, the whole Harvey Dent just... Uh, that was the one piece of this that felt comic book ish to me was the Harvey Dent and the flipping the coin and the whole two face thing. Yeah. And the clearly CGI left side of his face. Yeah. Um, so, um, when they are taking Harvey to jail and they're trying to lure the Joker into engaging them so that they can arrest him and get him, which is ultimately what the Joker wants to have happen. Um, again, I get it's action adventure, but the whole chase piece to me just was like, you know, they're using RPGs or, and he misses yeah. from like 10 feet away. <laughs> well, and then even in that, there were like times when they would blow up and all it would do is flip a cop car upside down versus actually blowing it up. And, um, that is just one of those situations where, again, my background probably comes into play of they're going to stop. They're not going to allow that to be going on throughout the city. Yeah. And it was a little whatever. And that kind of comes up into my whole um, when the Joker ultimately likes, makes Batman and the commissioner make the choice between Rachel and Harvey. Uh, and they're literally racing to the scene as the fact that, well, when it comes down to it, you can't outrun the radio. And so if you have two people at two locations, you're going to get on the police radio and there's going to be somebody that's that much closer to the scene and going to be able to get to those people. Batman's not the only person that can save Harvey and Rachel. The commissioner's not the only person that can save the person other than who the Batman goes and saves. And so um, it's just kind of that whole... Uh, there are other people that could go save them. It's not like Batman had some special thing that he was going to do uh, to save them. And then, as I mentioned before, it, it seemed a little bit long to me. But again, it is two and a half hours and I was engaged throughout the whole. And part of that may have just been because it was getting close to my bedtime and I was <laughs> ready to be over. I was ready to go to bed, ready for it to be over so I could go to bed. But ultimately, I think a lot of my stuff is just nitpicky. I didn't mm-hmm. have tons of things that just I disliked. Um, before I share some dislikes that I may have, um, there was uh, two things about that that chase, you know, to lure the Joker out that I really enjoyed. It was when he misses with the RPG. Mm-hmm. He kind of just shrugs his shoulders like hmm that's weird how did i miss that <laughs> like you know in in hindsight you're like oh he probably missed on purpose because he wanted to get caught but why not blow something else up and then secondarily the semi truck that they're riding in 
said laughter and he spray painted an S Slot. in fr- in in front of it to spell slaughter. And I was like, what a good pun. I I'm trying to think what I disliked. And and I'm sure there are some little things. Uh but none of them that are, you know, rushing to the front of my mind right now. Yeah, I thought it was cast well. I thought it was written well. Um yeah, I've, we've already said all that. So let's, uh, for the sake of our listeners, oh, do you have something to say? Well, I just, I did have a question. Is Lucius Fox a common character in the whole Batman story, or was that a? Because I'm, I'm familiar with Alfred. Yes, I was not familiar with Lucius Fox in terms of just. Batman I do not know. General. I don't know where he stands in like the comic book universe. Mm-hmm. I do know that on the television show Gotham, mm-hmm. he is a character. a character. And I don't know if they took him from the modern trilogy into that show to give people yet another character to latch on to. Because mm-hmm. um, there are a few characters in the TV show Gotham that, to the best of my knowledge, are not in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know the history of Lucius Fox. Um, but I think he was a good character for this trilogy. Yeah. To kind of serve as that foil. Like he's, he's, what's the word I'm looking for? He's like the anti-Alfred. Right. Yeah. And so to have, to have Lucius Fox and Alfred for, uh, Bruce Wayne to, to look up to, to interact with, to gain, you know, insight and wisdom from, I think is, I mean, Two two solid dudes to have in your life. Yes, very much so. Are you my Lucius Fox, Dave? <laughs> no. No. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Alfred. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's talk about maybe some of your favorite quotes from the movie. As I said before, there are plenty, and I'm sure that ones you say will spark to memory some for me. Um, yeah, I'm mostly focused on, uh, things that the Joker said and, um, I think, you know, um, when he's, when he's in with the mob group, one of the things he says is if you're good at something, never do it for free. And, you know, it just... It was that element of here's a guy that's his, he's called the Joker. Clearly, there's an element of he's a clown, he's not to be taken seriously. Um, but he had these like pearls of wisdom, I felt like, throughout um, the movie. And in particular, for that quote, you know, it was, it was that, that room that he was in was the mobsters. And so what are they all about? They're all about money. Mm-hmm. And so while his agenda was maybe the chaos and just doing all these random things and being the, you know, maybe his agenda was just to be the ultimate criminal. In that particular, he knew his, who his audience was. And so he brings it back to money. If you're good at something, don't do it for free. Because ultimately he burns the money. He doesn't care about money. And so Which is such a good twist. And so yeah, so so for me, it was just kind of one of those quotes of uh it shows that the Joker is not so much a joker, he's intelligent. Uh not only is he intelligent, but he's intelligent to the point of 
He knows who his audience is. And um, for me personally, that's just always one of those things of um, you can you can say certain things in certain context. And if you know who your audience is, you can get away with it. And um, again, as a police officer, I don't advocate being rude. I don't advocate cussing at the general public. But I will just say, if you know your audience, there are times when you can tell people certain things that you can't say at other times because that's they, they get the language. They get where you're coming from. And um, I don't know. It, it, it's just sort of my thing of I'm always impressed with people who know their audience uh, because that is not always an easy thing to do. Yeah, one of the thoughts that I had was um I think the whole Joker persona is a bit of a double meaning cuz you know he dresses he got the face He's an paint. intelligent. Well, right, but his calling card is he leaves the Joker playing card. Right. And Jokers are always used as wild cards. And so if there ever was a if there a ever was an card. embodiment of a wild card, it's him. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if the the dress and the face paint and the theatrics are a way to, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Disarm the people around him to not take him seriously or to underestimate him or to think that he's crazy, as they often tell him in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's really just a, a, a really good job of subterfuge of putting other people at the disadvantage and giving himself the opportunity to uh, take advantage mm-hmm. of the situation. Um, so I think, yeah, the whole, the whole wild card thing, that's a very interesting angle towards his character and, and what his you know real motives uh, are. Uh, and right in that scene too, where he says, if you're good at something, never do it for free. Uh, there's the, um, the magic trick. Yes. Where he says, I'm going to make this pencil disappear. And he says something to instigate and rev up one of the, you know, thugs. And he slams the guy's head down on the table. And when he pulls the guy's head up, the pencil's gone because it's through the guy's eyeball into his brain. Mm -hmm. Which, yikes. That can't be fun. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's a splinter I never want. <laughs> but even it, 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 and it's just, it's just done in a way that it's like, oh, <laughs> I can't believe that just happened. Yeah. And oh, the other thing I wanted to say too about that scene is when he says, "Never do something for free." He, do you remember how much money he asks for? I know half. And they look at him like he's crazy. It's like I'm not. I'm not. Like you said it in your notes, he enunciates very well. Yes, he enunciates it, and then the the thing with the tongue. The... Yeah, it's always <laughs> it's like a pit bull in that way. Um, but yeah, he has the audacity to ask for half, and then walk out, and he's got the little bomb. He's like, you know, because he's got his jacket laced with, you know, explosives. But yeah, very very interesting way to get um introduced to him as a businessman the very opening of the movie you get introduced to him as a uh 
schemer because he's got all of the guys killing each other off as the heist gets taken care of. And at the end, the one guy's like, I bet the boss said that you're supposed to kill me after this. He goes, no, 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 I killed the bus driver. And the guy goes, what bus? And the bus comes flying <laughs> through the wall. It's just, oh, it's so good. He's, yeah. All right, uh, what other quotes stuck out to you, Dave? Um... One of the ones that I have is, uh, well, the, the the scene that we were just talking about, uh, there's some um, uh, mobsters, organized crime guys, uh, and he puts a half a million dollar hit out on the Joker if he's brought in dead, million dollar if he's brought in alive. Uh, the Joker infiltrates his little lair or whatever his clubhouse ends up being by acting like he's dead and they bring him in and it again it it really has nothing to do with what's even really going on uh but he he makes the quote that he says once he gets in there and he's dealing with the mobsters on their turf is he said there's only one spot on the team so we're going to have tryouts and he he breaks a pool cue in half and he kind of throws it down on the ground and there's three guys and so one guy isn't getting a pool cue yeah and and it, and again it's just that sort of like he has no interest in putting one person on the team he has you don't even see what the outcome of that is it's just this i mean um he is evil and I don't want to admit that I've been was rooting for the evil, but there's just this sense of you just get that he is a bad guy for the sake of being a bad guy, and everybody else is just kind of a pretender, is a player, and so um, I just I got to chuckle out of there's only one spot on the team, so we're gonna have tryouts. Yeah, and he calls it. We're looking for aggressive expansion <laughs> and again it's it's the inflection the enunciation mm-hmm. it's just the way he he presents it so i i enjoyed that um one of the cheesier lines was when mr fox and batman are discussing uh what they've done with the the telephone the cell phones uh to create sonar and um batman says sonar just like a and before he can say his line, uh, Fox says, like a submarine, Mr. Wayne, like a submarine. And again, it's kind of the tongue-in-cheek of everybody assumes Batman is going to say, like a bat. And Fox says, like a submarine, Mr. Wayne, like a submarine. And Wink, wink. Yeah, it's like it's truly a cheesy line. Uh, but again, it was kind of one of the reasons why I put Morgan Freeman down as my likes of just... Morgan Freeman gets to do things that other people don't get to do, and it works just because he's Morgan Freeman. Uh, so uh, I got, I did get a, a chuckle out of that, and um, I think that's even kind of one of the things that works with this movie is that in Batman's of the past, it would have been this comic book idea of it's sonar, get it? It's Batman. Bats use sonar, so he has sonar. And this one, they kind of do the whole little twist of, yeah, it's like a submarine, and don't really acknowledge the like a bat. So, is it is it bad that I didn't get the bat connection there? Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think of bats, think of echolocation, which I guess is sonar. 
but I don't. I never like, oh, bats have center. I'm like, no, bats use echolocations like dolphins. Yeah, which is exactly what sonar is. I just didn't put it together because. <sighs> yes. Well, and way to make me look dumb, Dave. <sighs> he could have said he could have said dolphins, <laughs> and then Batman would have had to have a whole new costume. And then Ace so. Ventura could have walked in, and it would yes. have just been magical. <laughs> um. So. Uh, again, another pun. Um, I think it's at the fundraiser for Harvey Dent. Well, I don't mm-hmm. actually. I don't know when it is. is yeah, that what it's, it is? yeah. And he walks in and he goes, "I'm looking for Harvey Dent." Anyone seen him? And he like grabs like a shrimp cocktail and just like chews it in front of a lady's <laughs> face. <laughs> He's just so good. Yeah. But is that where the letter go comes mm-hmm. in? Okay. Yeah, because Bruce Wayne goes into his bedroom where there's a you know two people engaging in nefarious activities and he goes oh good he's got a panic room and they he shuts the door on him which i thought was great like what a (laughs) what a pretentious playboy rich kid thing to do and uh he shows up as a batman and he says so basically they're hanging he's hanging her off the building yeah out of the broken window out the broken window from the penthouse says to the joker let her go and Joker says, "Poor choice of words." Well, but you can like see the Joker cringe. He goes, "Oh, Ooh, you bitch. Felt, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, why did you? I have to let her go now." Yeah, it's. I mean, the way he reacts, just oh, bad choice, and just drops her out the window. Now, to be fair, she did go down a slant, uh, and then fall off, which is eerily similar to the first movie when Raz Al Ghul is sliding in the snow. Oh and yeah, he slides down after him, grabs him, and then hangs on with those stupid little bat hooks <laughs> that are on in ice. Sleep. And he's holding, he's a grown man <laughs> holding a six foot six grown man in snow because that's how physics works, guys. No. And then he pulls Liam Neeson up one-handed. I'm sorry. I don't care if you're the mountain from Game of Thrones. There is no way while hanging from your wrist, you are with one hand pulling someone Liam Neeson size up above your head. One-handed. No way. Not going to happen. Impossible. I have seen a Kansas farm boy slash cop in later life approach a guy that was on a bridge. The guy jumped off the bridge. He literally grabbed him with one arm and pulled him back over the bridge. But he had his feet on the no, ground. No, I don't get me wrong. I, I uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with your face. That's a full I mean, that's I a, know, I know. Still one hand, incredibly impressive, especially since the guy was jumping. Well, cuz and that was my thought was I was like, "Oh my gosh, they're both going over." And his adrenaline and everything that was going on, he just was like whoosh, threw him back over and now this is this guy also had uh total tangent. Uh He's he has a farm. He's grown up Kansas farm kid. Literally had like a full size tree fall on him while he was cutting a firewood type deal and like crush him. And he rolled the tree off of him, made it to the doctor, and the doctor's like, anybody else would be dead, but <laughs> because you are who you are and yeah. you're in such great physical shape, you survived. So he's one of those guys. His his legend is bigger than the man. Good guy. So, um, another quote was, I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. Again, kind of that. 
he's not the Joker. He's a genius. Mm-hmm. He's he's a smart man. Um, but then at the same time, um, uh, and I think this is, I I have a hard time remembering. I should take better notes on this. Of, I think he's in the police station. The you know what I am one. Yeah. No, he's, he's in the, the hospital, hospital room with Harvey Dent. Okay. And he Harvey Dent wakes up and he's got the revolver and they're playing. Oh, Russian roulette. Russian yeah. roulette. Yeah. And he just says, you know what I am? I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do if I caught. Yeah. And again, it's the hand motions and the facial. Wouldn't know what to do if I caught one. It just, I just do things. The mob has plans. The cops have plans. And, and, not, sorry. and, you, and it's, and it's, again, it's that he's this genius, but then it is this, this just chaos, this impulsiveness, this. Yeah. You but know, you know what he's doing. Right. He's completely manipulating Harvey Dent into going off the deep end. Oh, absolutely. And he clearly has a plan. I mm-hmm. mean, he's 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 had he's manipulated people to play into his plan. And that's that's again back to the whole like double meaning of his name and the way that he looks is is he is consistently acting and looking like he's a nutcase and he doesn't know what he's going to do next and he's totally unpredictable, but if you take a step back, you realize he's incredibly calculated. He's incredibly three steps ahead of everybody else in what he's doing. I mean, again, back to the beginning scene of the movie, he hires guys and then to pull off his heist and then has them kill each other off. So there's no loose ends. And he's the last guy. I mean, just it's, and that heist was incredibly well planned. They land on the roof. They zip line in. They they get out in time just for the school rush of buses as they go. I mean, to the T planned, but crazy because mm-hmm. it just it's yeah. He knows he knows how to plan things and then how to put the facade of chaos on top. Yeah, and, and I think there's this element of um, I think he he sees things naturally that bigger picture that I was talking about earlier of just um, it, it, it seems spontaneous. It seems impulsive. Um, and even what he does plan, I don't think he's somebody that sits and uh, gets caught up in the minutia of everything. I think he just sees it. He kind of in his planning, he's just that smart that he can kind of see it and put all the pieces together. All right. So we've already talked about uh, a few of our favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, the intro, the the pencil magic trick, um, some of the the other things. But there are still a few um, scenes that we have not touched upon yet, especially towards the end of the movie. Um, but what uh, what scenes stuck out to you as um, important or exciting or surprising? Um, I like Batman. Uh, with the Joker in the jail or in the interview room, and he shoves the chair under the door to keep them from all coming in and just unloads on the Joker. And there's even an element of the Joker loves what's happening. And um, I guess I live vicariously through Batman in that moment because <laughs> I've wanted to do that very same thing myself. And uh, one, probably don't have the ability to do it, uh, and two, it's illegal. So, um, but, uh, again, maybe one of those moments of I'm a Batman guy versus Superman cause Superman wouldn't do that. Uh, and even as Batman doesn't like guns, 
Um, you know, he's got his one rule that he lives by, which basically I kind of interpret is, um, I'm not going to get revenge on you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow it to become personal. I don't think it's that he doesn't, he would never kill anybody or allow anybody to die. I think it's, I don't let it get personal and now I'm going to kill you because it's personal. Uh, but I'll certainly beat you within an inch of your life because it's become personal. Mm -hmm. Um, so wow. I just admitted how much I liked violence. Um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, innate in our sinful human nature is the fact that, uh, violence is just always there under the surface. So, um, I did, I did like that. Um, and then you alluded to this one or talked about this one earlier of, you know, the Joker walking away from the hospital is just, I I think that's my absolute favorite scene of the entire movie. Yeah, that's a good one. And I did not know that that was improvised. I don't know that for a fact. I read something on the the internet that said it was. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, But either way, I mean, it's still a great scene if it was planned. It's Mm -hmm. even better if it was off the cuff. Yeah, and just the way he's walking. um, uh, Yeah. It's it's hilarious. So, um, and then there's the I can't even remember if the Joker refers to it as a social experiment or if that was a term I put on. I think the Joker says mm-hmm. it's a social experiment. You have the you have the two groups of people on two different ferries. One group is um, your everyday citizen, tourists slash people going home from work. The other ferry is criminals, and then um, the correctional personnel that would be uh engaging with them um and each fairy is given a package and the package is a detonator for a bomb uh one fairy has to blow up the other fairy if neither fairy blows up then they both blow up and it just really plays into a lot of uh prejudice that we have a lot of stereotypes that we have and kind of this implicit sort of well, the logical choice is to blow up the criminals because they've made their choice. They've done bad things. They deserve to die. And you're going to make your choice and do bad things and kill a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I just appreciate the big black guy on the the criminal <laughs> side um, that goes up to the guy. I think it's a correctional person that's holding the the detonator and basically goes, I'm going to do what you should have done a long time ago. And everybody's kind of like, yeah, he's going to blow him up. He's the big bad murderer. He did awful evil things. And uh, ultimately he throws the detonator out the window and then there's no choice to be made. Either they're both going to blow up or uh, the other team won't blow. The other group won't blow them up. Um, You know, and, and there's just, um, I don't even know that I want to say much more than that. It's it's one of those scenes that it's good to watch because um, it's easy to talk about taking a, a, another human life hypothetically in terms of good, bad, evil, and that sort of thing. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, uh, I think kind of the message that's implied there is we're all human beings, and it is not easy to do something like that. And, um, even people who are in jail are still people. And I think there's kind of this just realization of, um, 
if I'm the person to push that button, I'm still killing innocent people, even if they are in jail. And so, um, I don't know. It's, it's maybe a, um, uh, one of those times too, of just the Joker's wrong about people and he's wrong about the chaos and he's wrong about, there is still uh right and wrong. Uh, whether we want to, whether our culture today wants to acknowledge that or not, that's kind of a concrete example of, yeah, that's still not the right thing to do, even though they are criminals. Yeah, I liked everything about that scene up until Batman started talking. <laughs> Gotham just proved to you that blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah, blah. He, oh. he kind of has to narrate what anybody with half a brain can arrive at without yeah. Batman Christian Bale narr- narrating. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's being like half choked out and he's like spitting. <laughs> yeah. So I, that, that was the part of the scene. I was just like, Oh, really? <laughs> really? Why doesn't he just cold clock the Joker and call it good? Yeah. You know? Oh, well, can't win them all, Dave. Can't win nope. them all. Uh, all right. What's your rating, sir? Out of five, out of five, somethings. We haven't decided. <laughs> We've settled on stars in the past, but that seems too generic. It does seem kind of generic. Um, out of five microphones, that's that's five microphones. Slightly. Five Admiral Akbars. Ak- <laughs> uh, yeah. TM copyright. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, this is not the podcast you're looking for, George Lucas. I'm gonna give. Two categories here. For an action adventure movie, it's five out of five. For my just movie uh, preferences, I'm going to say four out of five. What the character, David? The character. Oh, the character? The character's five out of five. Thank you. Yeah, the character's five. Definitely. Absolutely. Hands down. One of, one of the best, maybe the best out of what we've done so far. Yeah, he's definitely better than Austin Powers. And that takes a lot for me to admit. <laughs> uh no, yeah, I give I give it five stars too. I've been I've been eager to get to this one. Um yeah, five out of five stars. Easily. Uh he's gonna be hard to dethrone as as I think the best one so far. Well definitely I think overall the best so far. Um n- no, you know shade towards the other characters but just just so good yeah, just so it, good it, it, and i get the, the i will just sum it up this way for me if you get me rooting for the bad guy then you have done a great job with your character and i found myself rooting for the bad guy in in the dark knight so yes well done well done Fun show. Good to be back. It is good to be back. Hopefully it'll be uh, before Christmas that we do our next Oh, don't you dare. (laughs) Don't you dare jinx us that way. I promise we'll be back before then. Sounds good. Bye.